Support for Switched on Pop comes from Stereophonic, Broadway's must-experience-new play. If you only see one thing on Broadway this year, make sure it's Stereophonic, written by David Ajme, directed by Daniel Aachen, and featuring original music by Arcade Fire's Will Butler. The play follows a 1970s rock band on the verge of breaking down, breaking up, or breaking through. The New York Times, The New Yorker, and New York Magazine call it best of the year and peter marks of the washington post says okay i'll go there stereophonic is the best play of the year get your tickets at stereophonicplay.com slash fox Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. Okay, Charlie, today I want to talk about a song that's both new and old at the same time. Okay, And it's giving people a lot of feelings. Okay, there's a new Aladdin movie out, right? Live action update of the 1992 original. Yep. And there's a lot of reactions, both positive and negative. But I want to focus in on people's reactions to one of the most famous songs from this iconic Disney movie musical, Prince Ali. Because as soon as this new version by Will Smith dropped, people felt some kind of way. People had strong opinions about this. And I think it's interesting, not just that people have opinions, okay, but that people are responding to something like a very subtle and yet profound musical element. So I think in a way that, that people are having such a strong reaction to this new version shows that we might all be music theorists, whether oh, we know it or not. This is great. So you're telling me I can expand my armchair music theory to just like pure music theory. Yes, yes. <laughs> whether you think you're tone deaf or not, chances are you might know a lot more about music than you think. Because when we spin this new version of Prince Ali, I don't know, I'd be curious. You might not even hear a difference, Charlie, but people out there do. Okay. Let's listen to the Will Smith version of Prince Ali from Aladdin. Prince Ali, fabulous, he, Ali, Ababwa. Show some respect, boy, can you flat down on one knee? Now try your best to stay calm. Brush up your Friday salon. Then come and meet a spectacular coterie. Okay, I don't think I'm in the majority here because I really like this. Okay, good. I mean, you you men have not seen the original Aladdin in a long time, so uh, it's been since I was uh, adolescent. Yeah, since it came out. Okay, so let's yeah. let's refresh your memory. Let's compare now this new version to the original. Prince Ali, fabulous he, Ali Ababwa. Can you flex? Show some respect down on one knee. Now try your best to stay calm. Brush up your Sunday salon. And come and meet his spectacular coterie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, on one hand, I love hearing yeah. Robin Williams is just amazing. Classic, yeah. Yeah. But I actually think I like the new one better because it actually it, it sounds more live action and the old one actually sounds more more cartoonish just in its production. Like the symphony in the new one is mm. big and brassy, and I like that. Okay. Fair enough, Charlie. But there's something very subtle going on too, and it has to do with tempo. Tempo. Yes. Okay. So we are. I want to just dive into the world of tempo for a moment. Yeah. What is tempo? 
tempo is the speed at which the pulse of the music moves along. Great. Okay, so right, music has a pulse, just like our bodies do. Yes. Music has a pulse, at least pop music. Not all music, necessarily. Yeah. But pop music always has a pulse. Yeah. And we actually have a way to measure that pulse, and right. we call it BPM, right. or beats per minute. So if you have a faster BPM, it'll sound faster. The rate will go by much quicker. Yeah. And if you have a slower BPM, it'll go a lot slower. And so that's the way we perceive tempo and time in music is how fast a song is beating at, essentially. Yeah. And this is already kind of like slightly ineffable quality because how do you how do you detect tempo in in music like we've defined it how do you identify it wow i honestly haven't really thought about that like i feel like it's something which is deeply ingrained like you can just count it i don't know you feel it. it's where you tap your foot in a song yeah. it's where you nod your head it's where you you know kind of tap your hand along like yeah. it's 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 you're right it is this sort of primal fundamental relationship we have with pulsing music right people immediately recognized that this new version compared to the original is slow they said huh. it sounds kind of sluggish kind of huh. unenergetic or something yeah so on the one hand tempo is just kind of this mysterious ineffable quality yeah and yet at the same time like the fact that people immediately recognize that aladdin this new version was in a new tempo shows that we have a very close analytical relationship to tempo huh. like check it out so beats per minute we said refers to how fast a song is pulsing at yeah so let's go to the original prince ali yeah. and kind of see how fast it's it's bpm is okay nice good like medium pace yeah so let's call that that's going to be about 110 bpm okay now let's go to the newer version this one is definitely a little sluggish yeah yeah it, but it's it's subtle it's it's at 102 bpm so it's only 8 bpm different which is not huge that's not something i would typically feel like i would notice yeah i i guess what it signals is that the original version is so ingrained in people's consciousness that right. they can tell that this new one is even though it's at just a slightly slower tempo they can immediately recognize it so there was like a mass reaction against this there was a lot of noise on on twitter and on reddit of people just as soon as this song came out just being like no this isn't working for me did people know that it was tempo i don't know that anyone used the italian word <laughs> tempo yeah. in their criticism but i think that's what they were feeling whether they identified it or not huh. yeah huh. that was a big that was a big part of it i'm huh. sure they're also reacting to the live action visuals and how those are different but i think there's something just in the music i mean we have a very visceral relationship with tempo yeah there's actually a study that shows that there might be a relationship between the tempo of the music we gravitate to uh -huh. and the way we move our bodies like uh -huh. like scientists have determined that humans like to walk at a rate of about 120 beats per minute 
that's you walking as, <laughs> as a New Yorker. Hundred that's that seems fast. Like this feels like a very urban, like Western centric. Like I'm curious in like hot, cold climates. I bet people go slower and hotter places i'm sure that the study has lots of holes that we could find but let's say for the moment that humans like to walk at 120 bpm or thereabouts yeah Yeah, okay fine it's interesting you actually find a lot of pop music that clocks in right at 120 bpm when you open any music software like pro tools or logic or ableton all the tools that people use to make music they usually default to 120 beats per minute like the opening project 120 okay so that's interesting. And I think we can find that borne out if we go to one of our favorite pop artists ever. Yeah. Lady Gaga. I love Lady Gaga. Loves 120 BPM. Does Some she? of her biggest hits all clock in at that exact beat rate. At the default. So let's check out, you know, Just Dance. Okay. And then move on to Poker Face. And then move on to Bad Romance. They're all the same. Yeah, Just Dance, Poker Face, Bad Romance. These all clock in at exactly 120 BPM. They blend perfectly together, and she seems to like to start her songs with these, like, I don't know, synthy, bright, grab your attention. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. No, I mean, she's got a playbook. So is Gaga intentionally trying to take advantage of our preferred walking tempo in making her hits? I don't know, but it is interesting. Like, you know, maybe you're familiar with some of the Italian words for different tempos, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I think they all begin with A's. Mm, some of them do. Some of the faster ones, like Allegro and Allegretto. Yeah, and Andante. And Andante. Okay, well, actually, that's the one I'm interested in. Andante. Do you know what Andante refers to? I can't remember my 18th century classical That's completely fair. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot today, and it won't be the last time. Andante referred to what people thought of as a walking tempo in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. And that correlates to, in terms of BPM, much slower than that 120 BPM we were just talking about. Something more around like 72 BPM. You can hear this in like an Andante by Mozart. It's beautiful. It's slow, though. It's slow. It is not just dance. This is, this is not <laughs> Nate Sloan walking through New York City getting to his subway train. It sounds like the Italians in the classical era may have walked significantly slower. I think you might be right. I think this is what the history is telling us. Like, people have just started... We, maybe we just move at a faster pace than we used to. Like, if walking pace back then was this leisurely... Da, 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 and now yeah. today it's like... Hey, we have modern healthcare. They didn't have vaccines. <laughs> like, they're probably sick all the time. They they all were, like, just, like, trying to get by. Totally. I mean, I guess what we could say is, is that tempo is this fundamental visceral thing, but it also changes as society changes. And like the kind of tempos we we gravitate towards change. It's a cultural phenomenon as well. 
I think it's technological too. I mean, we've, we've got fast highways. We can walk on sidewalks. They had like cobblestone streets and you had to like trip over mud and horses and you, you had to go slower to get by. Okay. So I, I totally agree. I want to put now this idea to the test. Like okay. we've already determined that Aladdin fans yeah. immediately were able to recognize that the new version is 8 BPM slower. Well, maybe they didn't know it was 8 BPM. Right. right, but right. Some, but they, something was off. Yeah. So yeah. I'm curious if we can do the same thing. Mm. Okay, Charlie. I told you I would, I would put you on the spot again, and the moment uh, has come. Okay, like, but you're just a guinea pig. This isn't. It's not a test. It's just an experiment. Okay, can you recall the tempo of a song you know and love well? Mm, okay, I really love "Sweet Judy Blue Eyes." By Crosby, Stills, Nash. Yeah, yeah. Is there okay. a young in that one? Or I no? think that's pre-young. I believe. So I was like. Da, 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 mm, mm, mm. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Okay, that's about 140 BPM. Ooh, that's pretty fast. I think that you I think you might be onto something. All right, okay. we're gonna pull up sweet Judy Blue Eyes now. Okay. Assuming the whole thing's in this in the same tempo, actually. Oh yeah. But yeah. we'll start. I think you're doing the beginning, right? One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three. How do you think you did, Charlie? I think I did pretty well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I'm going to make a guess, though, that I am prices right rules wrong. I bet I went over and it's under. Nope. You were under. I was under. This is at one about 152 BPM. Whoa. This song. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So wow. you were... You were a little low. You're I'm little actually low. surprised because my main instrument is guitar, and guitarists are usually ahead of the beat, <laughs> playing too quickly. The drummers are like, "Slow down!" Maybe so you like, were you were hedging your bets, being a little conservative. As I get older, I'm slowing down like those classical Italians. Yeah, it's, <laughs> as, as you should be, man. Absolutely. Can I try one? Give me something contemporary. Something contemporary. Yeah. Should we do "Talk" by Khalid? Great. Yeah. Can we just talk? Boom, boom. Da, 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 da. Okay, I'm gonna guess it's right here. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. This is already too fast. <laughs> All right, but I'll stick with it. 142 yeah. is what I said for talk. And let's see. Let's go to the tape. I'm already sure I'm way too fast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it looks like it's about 136. So I was too fast. You were too slow. <laughs> I did just come over and you poured yourself an extra cup of coffee. So I am I am well caffeinated. That's true. Okay, so inconclusive, I would say, <laughs> this little experiment. I highly encourage people to try the same thing at home. See yeah. how well you can recall beats. Yeah. We can also do the opposite, though. We can do yeah. the, the, the Prince Ali test, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Would you recognize if a song you know well was sped up or slowed down from its original recording? What's going to happen? Are you putting me on the spot again? Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot again. <laughs> okay. All right, let's take a song from a, a recent vintage that, that we both know and love, Redbone by Childish Gambino. That is definitely slower. <laughs> that is like... Going back to our last episode that we did about slow underwater wobbly intros, we oh, Estelle Caswell from Vox's Earworm taught us about songs that are chopped and screwed, where they're slowed down and 
this has clearly been chopped and screwed. This is like this is super wow. Good, right. yeah, you're you're absolutely right, Charlie. So you you detected that immediately. So interesting. So perhaps our relationship to beat is is something where we can tell when we hear it. Yeah, but we might not be able to conjure it from memory. We're also not drummers. No, that's all the true. drummers listening are you know definitely very sad about us. Okay, let's bring it back to Prince Ali now because again. The new version with Will Smith is only 8 BPM slower than the original, and yet people seem to notice immediately. Okay. Thus, perhaps proving my theory that we are all secret musicologists. <laughs> but I have more than tempo to support this, because there's some other changes that have happened in this new version that I think people are picking up on. So mm. let's take a quick break and then return to some of the other musical elements that reveal us all to be music literate, whether we know it or not. Support for Switched On Pop comes from Stereophonic, Broadway's must-experience-new play. If you're anything like us, you're obsessed with music. Not just listening to it, but everything behind the scenes as well. What makes a good band? What makes a great song? And what does it take to make it big? All of these questions and more are explored in the remarkable new Broadway play, Stereophonic. The New York Times, The New Yorker, and New York Magazine call it best of the year, and Peter Marks of The Washington Post says, okay, I'll go there. Stereophonic is the best play of the year. Written by David Adjmi, directed by Daniel Aachen, and featuring original music by Arcade Fire's Will Butler, the story follows an up-and-coming 1970s rock band as they gather in a California music studio to record a brand new album, but it's a bumpy ride that threatens to tear the band apart. You may find yourself being reminded of the famous recording processes for legendary bands like Led Zeppelin, Bruce Springsteen, and the E Street Band, and Fleetwood Mac. So get your tickets now and see Stereophonic live on Broadway this spring. Visit StereophonicPlay.com slash Vox for more info. Vox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docuseries, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. <laughs> I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong, and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. (laughs) I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. Okay, so Charlie, as I said, tempo is not the only thing that has changed from the 1992 original to this new live-action version. Mm -hmm. We've got some more in-your-face changes as well. We've got some lyrical revisions to this new version of Prince Ali. Okay, so instead of the original lyric, which went, he's got slaves, he's got servants and flunkies, Mm. the new version goes, he's got 10,000 servants and flunkies. 
how do you feel about them like writing out the history of slavery in this song? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. On one hand, I don't necessarily approve of whitewashing, and not just with Aladdin, but in general, the the troubling racial politics of of Disney at large. Right. I no longer try and use that word slaves. If anything, I'd use the word enslaved peoples, right. which actually attests more to the humanity of, of people right. who have been enslaved. And also, would, not to be crass about it, but would probably be like a fumbly kind of lyric to replace here. Yeah. And we need, you know, to keep the rhyme with monkeys. So flunkies has to stay in there. Okay. It's perhaps an inelegant solution. Yeah. One that I think isn't even nearly as effective as, as this other lyrical revision yeah. in the song. Originally it went, heard your princess was a sight lovely to see. Mm-hmm. Now in the new version it goes, heard your princess was hot. Where is she? <laughs> Wait, this feels like it's like regressive sexual politics and like, like, I feel like we've replaced the male gaze with just like an obvious exclamation of noting someone only by their physical attraction. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it, it is what it is, man. You know, I, I do want to call attention for a moment to the composers behind Aladdin. Alan Menken, the, the musician, and Howard Ashman, the lyricist. Mm-hmm. I mean, these two individuals who maybe none of us are really familiar with on a, on a name basis are like the architects of the entire Disney sound. Huh. They did the score for Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, and part of Aladdin. Alan Menken continued to, to score many Disney films, but yeah. Howard Ashman died of complications related to HIV partway through the production of Aladdin. So Prince Ali is one of the few songs that he actually completed for that. Oh, wow. This is a Broadway duo. Yeah. And you can hear in their lyrics like the, the love and the, the reverence they have for a clever turn of phrase. Like, check out this stanza. Prince Ali, handsome is he, Ali Ababwa. That physique, how can I speak, weak at the knee? Well, get on out in that square, adjust your veil, and prepare to gawk and grovel and stare at Prince Ali. Ooh, there's so many beautiful interior rhymes and sort of like, it, oh, it plays yeah. with all of my expectations of what's going to land where. It's there's great. alliteration. It's, yeah. very, it's very clever. It's very adept. And yeah. Mencken is a brilliant composer. But, you know, again... People recognize immediately that something has changed. And it's yeah. not just these lyrical changes. Yeah. And it's not just the tempo. It's something else. We are also dealing with a key change here. Oh, oh I didn't notice this. Yes. Okay, so the original Prince Ali is in the key of B minor. But the new version, key of B flat minor. So we've gone down one step. Yes, from B minor to B flat minor. It's both so subtle yet so powerful at the same time. Yeah. I think it's also worth noting when you used to slow down records, you would do it by playing a record at a slower RPM. Right. right? Yeah. Revolutions per minute. Exactly. And it would both slow it down and decrease the pitch. And with digital technology, we can decrease the speed without decreasing the pitch. But here they've actually kind of done both, which it almost feels like it really has been slowed down on a record. They've slowed down the tempo and they've descended the key. And it changes the quality. Like I feel like the first time, like when you play the original key, it feels like yeah, play it again. It's like, I don't know, it's like, it feels like bright and, I don't know, exciting compared to. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's like, it's darker, it's moodier. I agree, I agree. And it's interesting, you know, keys are like one of the most fascinating musical properties because on one hand, every key has this absolute difference. One is higher or lower than the other. Right. B minor is higher than B flat. But right. at the same time, they're also relatively equal. And what I mean is you can play the same exact melody in B minor and you can play it in B flat minor and they sound relatively the same, but absolutely different. I'm already confused. I'm already confusing <laughs> myself. <laughs> I'm blazing over. But it's a difficult, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the more rarefied musical topics, yeah. which is why I think it's interesting that people seem to be glomming onto it. Huh. You know what I mean? Like this is something that, is one of the things that you study for a long time when you're learning right, right, music theory. Right. But people are just immediately recognizing whether they know it or not. Ooh, this sounds a little lower, a little darker, a little more melancholy perhaps than the original. Well, I feel like one way of sort of like playing that out and taking it to its logical extreme to make it a little more obvious to hear yeah. is if we go into even like f lower and lower keys okay one of the things that happens with the human ear is that we actually have trouble discerning really low notes true right and so like as chords get lower and lower they get harder to hear and they get like muddier mm. okay so let's bring this original b minor key yeah. and let's bring it down maybe here yeah okay let's see how this sounds now It's like that's really that was brooding. E flat minor, yeah. yeah. As you go further down in absolute pitch space, it gets muddier and and darker and maybe even heavier, kind yeah. of in a way, yeah. yeah. And you know, beyond this, like I know that people have often very personal relationships to certain keys, especially musicians. Like, yes, I think we've we've played on our show a clip from the movie Spinal Tap, uh -huh. in which there's a great scene in which they talk about D minor is the saddest <laughs> of all keys. Yeah. But like also some musicians have like synesthetic qualities where they see certain keys as colors. And oh, interesting. Very potent. Like for me. Wait, are there examples? Can you think of anyone in particular? I, I believe uh, Jimi Hendrix claimed to have synesthesia. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I think also maybe Charlie XCX has some sort of synesthet synesthetic relationship to music. Cool. Maybe even Lord. Yeah. I don't have that, but I do have the certain keys have very strong feelings for me. I think because of my main instrument as a guitarist, like if you play the key of G, mm. it's like bold and brassy <laughs> and big. And a lot of that has to do with the way that a G sounds particularly on a guitar. Yeah. And when you play a G on a guitar, it just has this big resonant mm. sound. And so I think I've like associated, if I hear the key of G, it has that big, yeah, big bold sound. Interesting. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I think a lot of jazz and soul musicians tend to gravitate towards more flat keys, like yes. B flat and E flat. And if, if you listen to someone like Stevie Wonder, there's a ton of flat keys. Like, And I wonder if that's in part because flat keys tend to use more black notes and being visually impaired, maybe Stevie Wonder gravitates towards those kind of sonorities because they might like help guide the hands yeah perhaps huh. i don't know but to go back to your point about spinal tap i mean that has a long history that idea of like certain keys having certain emotional valences like there's this amazing uh musician and theorist named mark antoine charpentier who in the 17th century oh, actually, we're going back. oh yeah 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 <laughs> came up with all these different 
moods that each key represented. Mm. This goes back to like the ancient Greeks who would yeah. give, you know, different properties, different scales. They're like, if you're going into war, you have to use the Dorian mode or right. something. If you're like trying to... the Phrygian mode as the war scale. Okay, maybe you're right about that. And then there's one if you're like, you're trying to make someone fall in love with you, you have to use the Ionian or yeah. something. <laughs> so this continues, you know, in, in 1682, Charpentier is like, take our B flat minor key yeah. of this new Aladdin. He would call that um, obscure and terrible. Oh, that's why people don't like it. Yeah. It's obscure <laughs> and terrible. Which also uh, means he probably didn't like jazz much since B-flat is the most common key in jazz. But, yeah. C major, by contrast, uh, is gay and warlike. So, oh. yeah. Wow, warlike? Yeah. I disagree. Um, what else do we have? B minor, that's the original Aladdin key. Yeah. That's solitary and melancholic. Mm, okay. Well, I feel like a royal is despite all their power often quite solitary yes yeah. <laughs> or perhaps it's time to step back and say like is there any validity to this idea that different keys have different moods i mean it's obviously there, it's there's both an objective and subjective side to it yeah. whereas like saying earlier the objective side is that if we go really really low in some keys mm -hmm. they become harder to hear yes. they don't translate as well over certain speakers and perhaps if we go too high yeah. we also might encounter the same problem yeah <laughs> maybe it loses a little bit of its gravitas it up there there's no royal weight to yeah. that and that also interplays with like where the vocalist sits you know you want to put the the key oh, yeah. needs to fit the vocalists and if it's Absolutely. not sitting right with the voice yeah. then that will feel wrong so there's like there's an objective side to it but i feel like to your point about what is this guy's name marc antoine charpentier, charpentier. you're charpentier. mixed you from the italians the french yes okay we're covering yeah we're pan pan european here baby but i i think he's probably inappropriately assigning entirely subjective experiences to music upon these keys and i think it's okay that we can all have our own subjective experience but it does feel as though with Alibaba, there is a like mass conscious subjective experience of the new one isn't as good as the old one. Yeah, and I I have to imagine that has to do with like like we said tempo, but also yep. key. I think I think if we zoom out again now mm -hmm. and like go back to this idea of like why people had such strong immediate visceral reactions to this new Prince Ali, it shows that our appreciation of music isn't always superficial even if we're not like trained musicians i think it shows that we are so deeply tuned into these subtle musical qualities of tempo and key whether we know it or not we again we are all music theorists <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful thing Switched On Pop is produced by me, Charlie Harding. And me, Nate Sloan. We are mixed and edited by Brandon McFarland. Our community manager is Sarah Terry. And our production fellow is Megan Lubin. Our executive producers are Nishat Kurwa and Liz Nelson. We're a production of Vox Media. You can find more episodes at switchedonpop.com or at iHeartRadio, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or any other place you find podcasts. We'll be back again in another Tuesday. And until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Support for Switched on Pop comes from Stereophonic, Broadway's must-experience new play. If you only see one thing on Broadway this year, make sure it's Stereophonic, written by David Ajme, directed by Daniel Aachen, and featuring original music by Arcade Fire's Will Butler. The play follows a 1970s rock band on the verge of breaking down, breaking up, or breaking through. The New York Times, The New Yorker, and New York Magazine call it 
best of the year. And Peter Marks of the Washington Post says, okay, I'll go there. Stereophonic is the best play of the year. Get your tickets at stereophonicplay.com slash fox.